This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. It is a Saturday morning. Good Saturday morning to you right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Great to have you along for the ride this morning. Trying to get you up and moving for the day. It's a dreary one. Now, I feel really bad because it's a Labor Day weekend, which means a lot of people are maybe getting into holiday mode, wanting to go out and go camping, wanting to go out and do some extracurricular activities uh, for the weekend because most people hopefully are off on Monday as well. But it's kind of hard to go camping with this type of weather. Although, I don't know, maybe you're a diehard. Maybe you're a diehard and maybe you just enjoy this stuff. I mean, if I was going camping, I would say, I don't care what the weather's like. I am getting the heck out of here and going out and enjoying the lake or whatever you end up doing. So safe travels to you wherever you may be going. Enjoy whatever you are doing. Stay safe out there. It's supposed to clear up by tomorrow, so that's at least good news. But, hey, welcome in. It is Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, uh, being off last week, I'm back at it. Now, we'll be off again next week uh, for a vacay. Uh, Mrs. Voice of Reason and I's ninth wedding anniversary. I know. So we'll have a best up play in there, and we'll find some good programming for you. Plus, being September 11th, I will uh, re- tape some of that as a bit of a 9-11 commemoration that we'll do. So get ready for that one as we do that every single year. But this week, we are live. We are ready to go, and it's open lines to you at 316-721-8255. Thanks for joining us. Presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. He's about the only guy in the Mid-America region that actually has any gold and silver on hand. So if you want to get out there, make sure to do so. They open up in about 20 minutes from now at 9.30, open until 2.30 this afternoon, or you can also go online to philscoins.com. We always appreciate his partnership right here on the show and the KQAM Air Airwaves. Coming up on the show today, we got a big show lined up for you, as always. There's a lot to talk about. You would think kind of an off-political season. The legislative session is over. We're not necessarily in a big election year, although it is a big election year uh, with some of the quote-unquote off-election cycle races with some city council, with some school board. Uh, so it's a really important. We have Brent Davis, candidate for district number two of USD 259. He'll be joining us at the bottom of this hour to chat in about 20 minutes as well. So looking forward to chatting with him. We've been kind of going along trying to talk to some school board candidates because I don't know if you're aware or not, going to the local races this year is one of the most important things we can do. We always focus on the midterms. We focus on the presidential races. But I think over the last year with COVID, we're starting to recognize that local elections have a major impact on how things actually operate on the local level and affect you on a personal basis every day. So we'll have Brent Davis coming on in just a little bit to talk about the USD 259 races. He's candidate for district number two. And by the way, just to remind everybody that if you live within the Wichita City School Board District at all, the entire school district in any place... You vote for all of the districts for all of the candidates. You don't just vote on the district that you live in. You vote for every district if you live within the district as a whole. So just keep that in mind as we've talked to uh, candidates from numerous different districts. You'll see those on your ballot no matter where you live within the city area and within that uh, USD 259 school district. Uh, Our number two, State Representative Stephen Owens up from the Newton area. We'll have him on the program. He was in the news this week because I don't know if you heard the news or not, but unemployment benefits in the state of Kansas, the amount of fraud. Can you guess how much money was actually wasted in fraud from unemployment benefits from the Kansas Department of Labor. 
Anybody have a guess? Anybody hear the news story this week? Over $700 million in just one year during the COVID-19 pandemic. $700-plus million wasted on fraudulent claims coming into the Kansas Department of Labor. We'll talk with State Representative Stephen Owens about that in hour number two. Also, wrapping up in hour number two, kind of an interesting guest. We haven't had him on in a while. Um, we love having him on. We used to have him on all the time to kind of spar and go back and forth and talk about different political issues. Big Democrat. He's been a, a Democrat congressional candidate against Ron Estes, uh, Congressman Ron Estes a bunch of times. James Thompson, Attorney James Thompson, he'll be joining us as he's been working with a lot of families in Afghanistan, being the attorney that he is, trying to bring some of those families that were left over there in Afghanistan, trying to bring them into the U.S. and trying to help them escape from the terrorism that is the, uh, as Joe Biden likes to say, the Taliban. So we'll have him on the program, talk about what he's working on. And it's a great movement, so we appreciate that. But I'm surprised. Now, I don't know, depending on how much time we have, I want to have a little fun because we love to enjoy the debates and and uh, we love to kind of spar with him a little bit. And he's a good guy to do that. And we always have fun kind of sparring back and forth. But I really want to ask him, if there's an opera, I want to ask him if he if he's needing to help people come from Afghanistan because of the failure from his leadership and his party that he associates with. So I think we'll have some fun with that conversation. <laughs> wrapping up hour number two on Kansas Talk today. Outside of that, it is open line. See you at three one six seven two one eight two five five three one six seven two one talk. We have a lot to get to first and foremost before we do anything else, though. There was big news this week that I'm sure some individuals have heard. If not, then maybe this is the breaking news for you. But, and not very good news either. It's kind of sad news, very sad news. I reached out to the campaign to let them know my their thoughts and prayers, hopefully not condolences. God forbid that happens. But former Governor Jeff Collier has officially dropped out of the governor's race for 2022 after a diagnosis of prostate cancer. And it's terrible. It's a terrible ordeal that he's had to go through. So thoughts and prayers with Governor Collier and the fact that he's dropping out. He is still active with his practice being a doctor. He's also still active and, you know, working with the party and trying to do his thing, but focusing on himself a little bit. But that narrows down really the major candidate for the governor's race on the Republican side to one, which is currently Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. And I want to talk about the outlay of the governor's election here in just a minute. But I don't want to gloss over the fact that Jeff Collier Wonderful guy. He's a good friend. We've had him on the show many times before. I, as soon as I heard the news, I texted his campaign. I don't have his number personally, but I texted his campaign and and let them know my thoughts and prayers. And hopefully we can get him on the radio show at some point once he's up to wanting to talk a little bit more and actually come back and, and chat a little bit so we can properly give him his farewell, uh, farewell wishes. Uh, not hopefully from life, but just from the campaign because he's a great guy. And we do enjoy him. I Obviously, I didn't always agree with everything he did as governor. But overall, I mean, way better than Governor Kelly. Just throwing that out there. And he's a he's a really good dude. So thoughts and prayers to him and his family. Hopefully, he can pull through. I don't know how severe the prostate cancer is that he was diagnosed with. He hasn't given a whole lot of details about that one. But he did officially drop out of the governor's race, which leaves really just one. There are a few little outlier candidates running for governor. But they're, no, they're, they're candidates that really nobody knows about. And Derek Schmidt is really the major candidate now. Now, Jeff Collier has endorsed uh, Derek Schmidt as well after dropping out of the race. So what we're seeing right now is something I don't think we've seen for a while in the state of Kansas within the Republican Party. And that is a little bit of some Republican unity. 
And I think this could be really good for the state of Kansas. Obviously, the number one goal right now in the midterm elections next year is to get Governor Laura Kelly the hell out of this governor's office. She's been an absolute failure over the last year with COVID, uh, with the emotional reaction, the uh, lack of preparation, the lack of thought process that she's actually had over this last year. She's been terrible with wanting to impose her will and strong arm everybody with her mandates because of COVID-19. She's been terrible. And we need to get her out because we've seen she was tested on her leadership. She's the governor. She's supposed to have some form of leadership, and she's been lacking that the entire time uh, with not only with COVID, but with the Kansas Department of Labor, with other issues going on in the state right now that she needs to go. And I think we have an opportunity here where we could actually see some unity from the Republican Party. Now, like Derek Schmidt, don't like Derek Schmidt. I, I mean, it's up to you on that one on whether you want to support him for governor or not. And will there be other Republican candidates jumping in, wanting to at least create some competition? Maybe. Maybe. But for right now, I'm optimistic that maybe we could sit back for just a second and we could just look at the unity that we have. We do have three of our congressional leaders out of Kansas, including Jake LaTurner up in District Number 2, Ron Estes right here in the 4th District, and Tracy Mann in the 1st District. All of them have now endorsed Derek Schmidt because they're excited for some unity. Because I'm looking back in the years that we've been on the radio and looking at some of these elections that have gone on in the state, we've had some really, really bitter races uh, with the primaries within Republican ranks. And it's not a bad thing, because you know me, I think the most important election that we could possibly have is a primary election to challenge each other, to challenge our ideas, to expand our ideas, to expand ways that we could move forward as a conservative Republican Party. So I love the primaries. But they've gotten nasty. Let's admit it a little bit. I mean, we had the former governor's race with the primary with the Jeff Collier and Chris Kobach primary that came down to 300 vote difference in that primary election. And there was a lot of bitter feelings in that election. We had after that, we had the U.S. Senate race between Kobach and Marshall. That got pretty heated and bitter as well. Even before that, we had, if you remember last year, with Jake LaTurner being the freshman in the election, we had the Jake LaTurner-Steve Watkins up in District 2 with the incumbent Steve Watkins in that primary that happened that caused a little bit of bitterness up there as well. Amanda Atkins, Sarah Hart Weir, District Number 3 in the primary just last year, or two years ago as well, for the primary election. There's been some really brutal Republican primary elections over, their, over the last few years in the state and, be, and behind us as well, even further back. So now... As much as we love Jeff Collier, thoughts and prayers, brother, hope things are well, we have one really front runner, one main candidate for the Republicans. Is it going to stay that way, or is it early enough that someone else is going to jump in? But for just a moment, could we maybe lick our wounds, maybe heal up a little bit after we give each other a black eye? Because we're really good at giving each other a black eye within the Republican side, not so much as actually you know, taking the big swing over at the Democrat side and actually destroying some of their policies. We are, we, we're usually too nice on that side. Can we bring some unity to the Republican Party, get Governor Kelly out of the governor's seat in the mansion, and get Derek Schmidt in there as governor uh, to be able to move forward under some Republican leadership again? We have redistricting coming up, which could change the makeup of the state legislative seats again. When we just started getting some momentum with more conservatives in these seats, we have a supermajority of Republicans in the House right now. vast majority of them are solid conservatives. We have a majority in the Senate right now, almost a supermajority conservative group in the U.S. in the state Senate right now. Then that's all going to change. We can't rely on the legislature to actually be that last line of defense for us any longer, especially if we go into another year if Governor 
Kelly, where she's going to be vetoing a lot more. While she says she's not a veto governor, she vetoed more bills than any other former governor in the state of Kansas before. So that just kind of tells you something. She lies and she doesn't like anything that we're doing on the Republican side. We need the solid Republicans in the legislature, but we could also really do well with the Republican in the governorship next year as well in those midterm elections. Where are we with the state of the Republican Party? I'd love to get your thoughts here. 316-721-8255. Let's go to the phone to your line at number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, sir? Well, fine. I don't want to throw you a loop, but I can't let something pass that was uh, that our president did this past week. Okay. And that, and that was when he disrespected those Gold Star families and mm. the Gold Star mother. Yeah. And that was just horrible. And, uh, I mean, come on! You got to look know, at your I'm clock. You got to look at your watch and just, you know, just looking for the time to be over when you know those uh, bodies are coming off the plane, right? It's, yes, it's it's well, it's more than that. You know that I'm a Gold Star family member, yeah. okay? And um, I can remember everything back, although I was only six years old, and everything was beautiful. But for this man to be the way he was, I'm not even going to call him a president. Yeah. Towards those goals, and especially, you know, I was on both sides of the fence. I was also in the Marine Corps for five years, and I've had some instructions as far as notification. And one thing you do is you don't, for Christ's sakes, you don't, you you let the mother say whatever she wants to say. If she wants to beat on your chest, let her beat on your chest. In other words, if she wants to show her emotions, you let her show her emotions. Biden doesn't give a rat's ass about anyone that he left over there. Biden doesn't give a rat's ass about all those soldiers that were died over there. The only thing he cares about is Biden, and and that is just so horrible. And um, I, you know, last you know, we saw I it coming turned, though, didn't we? See it coming. I mean, if you remember during the the elections and the the campaign trail. Even in the primaries where he was calling his own followers a lying two-faced pony soldier while, you know, he was challenging guys that would ask him a tough question. They challenged him to go outside and do a push-up contest. He said he wanted to take a swing at Donald Trump. I mean, and then, of course, now he talks about his son over all the dead soldiers coming back that could have been avoided, by the way, with his ridiculous, absurd decision on how he actually implemented the operation. They could have been avoided with those deaths, and then they come back, and then all I can talk about is how, you know, yeah, I get it because my son died too, so I'm just going to talk about my son and not even give them the opportunity for them to grieve properly. I, I mean, I'm right there with you. He's a a dementia-sickened-ridden human being, and uh, he's going to be going to the nursing home relatively soon, unfortunately, and the fact that that's what's leading our nation during that kind of time is scary and it's one of the most disrespectful things that he could have done throughout this entire process. But yet, here we are, and we seem shocked and surprised when it actually happened. Um, I actually watched PBS last night, a news, and they had this black lady on there, and I thought, oh, and she actually went against Biden. I thought, what? This is, and I've also watched some CNN and a little bit of MSNBC, and there are some of those individuals that Biden has lost his base, a lot of it. Because uh, anyway, about that ghost star mother, bless her little old heart. Um, you just don't, Andy. You just don't do that. No. Okay, you just don't do that. I don't give a damn what your personal life is like. What happened to you in your own personal life? The deal of it is, what you do is. And one thing about Robert Gates that came from Wichita, Kansas, um, 
he was an East High School graduate. Robert Gates said, every time there is a American soldier that died over there in Afghanistan and over in the Iraq war, he says, I took his file, I took it home, and I read it from front to cover so I know because I want to know about that young man. Yeah. And Biden, he does. Well, like I said, um, it's very disgraceful. Um, and uh, my God, I don't know how. There's no way that he can correct it. Once it's been done, it's been done. Once that he had met with those mothers and fathers and the children, once it's been done, it's been done. You can't undo it, and that's going to be their memory forever. In other words, instead of having a beautiful memory of where somebody uh, was just beautiful towards you, um, anyway, all I'm going to say is that Biden, good God, and as far as being called a commander-in-chief, he is no more of a commander-in-chief than a man in the moon. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, I was in the Marine Corps for five years. Andy, you do not leave a man behind, even if it is a dead Marine or a dead sailor or whatever, you bring that body home. You bring that person home. You do not leave that person there. Well, and that's and why, you know what, just, there's there's a, there's actually been some military operations that have not been sanctioned or approved or they went in to try and get some more individuals out of there because you're right, you don't leave men behind and they live by that code and they went in to actually do some, uh, I guess, secret operations even from the government approval because they weren't going to allow that to happen. So I'm right there with you, and I appreciate that. Frederick, i got to take a break here. I'm late on one, but uh, happy Labor Day to you, my friend. Enjoy the weekend, and I appreciate that because you're right. It's a frustrating time, which is why I think i got to poke fun at James Thompson a little bit when he comes on the show in just a loving manner. But, uh, hey, you know, being the Democrat and being from his side, I mean, obviously he's doing some great stuff, and we appreciate what he's doing, which is why we're having him on the show. But got his side that caused the situation in the first place, is it? So we'll have some fun with that in a little bit as well. Frederick, I appreciate it, my friend. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Got to take a break here on Candace Talk. Lots more to get to here on The Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Eight minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Thanks for hanging out today for a Saturday. I know that you're probably in the vehicle, maybe heading out to the lake, getting ready for Labor Day weekend. If you are, then awesome. If not, then, you know, wake up, have a cup of coffee, and <laughs> watch the rainfall. Because why the heck not? As we talk about unity within the Republican Party, the next part, of, and I, I got to give him credit, don't usually give this guy a whole lot of cre- credit, even from our own side, but Jerry Moran, U.S. Senator from here in Kansas, which just the friendly reminder that I've been on the radio for seven years here in the KQM uh, Airwaves in the Wichita market, and he has yet to come on my program. But nonetheless, just throwing that out there for you, uh, he has come out and said that now that we're done in Afghanistan, we need to be very careful on how we actually utilize the military and get back to if we're going to be in a conflict, we need to declare a state of war, a declaration of war from Congress. And that's... Jerry Moran, wholeheartedly believe. So kudos on that one. You hit one. All right. Fantastic. Maybe we can actually get back to it and actually we can have a proper declaration of war instead of 20-year-long conflicts of spending trillions of dollars. We can actually get back to saying we're going to declare a state of war and actually use the military properly, not tie their hands with a whole bunch of regulations and actually make it worth our while if we're going to go in and actually be involved in something. 
Can we get back to that? Probably not, especially with Democrats' control right now, so they can still kind of manipulate what they want to. But nonetheless, it's a good motion, so we appreciate what he's doing standing up and calling that one out. Lots more coming up right around the corner on Kansas Talk. Stay here. listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM. 35 minutes past the 9 o'clock hour here on a Saturday morning in Wichita, Kansas. All presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. They are officially open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. Go and check them out. Also online at philscoins.com for all your buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. It's Phil's Coins. We'll have Phil Martinez back on the program the last Saturday of the month to talk about the gold and silver markets and what he's up to. Always great to chat with him. All right, I want to shift gears a little bit as we get into, I know it's off election season. Maybe elections are not top of mind right now. We're thinking about the governor's race, you know, a year out. We're thinking about congressional races a year out. We're hoping that we can get Governor Kelly out. We can get some Democrats out. We can do some stuff at the federal level. But at the same time, as we've talked about so many times over this last month, that local elections are the ones that have the biggest impact on our personal lives, property taxes and sales tax and mask mandates and curriculum at our schools for the children and whether you're actually going to be allowed to go to the school, whether your kids have to get vaccinated or wear a mask to go to the school. It's all been some interesting stuff uh, for sure. And I think people are starting to beginning to realize that as we've seen the trend slowly over the years with politics moving back to the local level, I think that we're starting to realize that now we can actually have that say in there. So as we've covered it and we've talked about numerous different districts, for the USD 259 school elections coming up in November. We got to get another candidate back on here from District Number Two, candidate for District Number Two of USD two five nine School Board, Mr. Brent Davis, with us here. Brent, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Good. Good. Thank to you see so you. much for having me on here. Andy. Yeah, I appreciate. I appreciate, I appreciate you coming on here. This is it's good to it's good to see so many candidates running for school board. Now I know that we didn't have enough to do a primary election, you know, last month, but that's okay because there's still at least a challenger in every district, which is really awesome right now. You know, really, I was very happy we didn't have a primary. We just have to spend more money on that. <laughs> and uh, really, you know, we have our four candidates that we want elected. And uh, yeah, so we're ready to go for the general. Yeah. So you guys working kind of as a team, aren't you, with uh, with you four? Yeah, we are. We're trying to encourage each other and help each other and pass each other's brochures out and let people know that we, we need to have a majority. If you don't have a majority on the board, you can't get anything done. Unfortunately, we had mm. a candidate on there uh four years ago, Joy Akins, and she was just a lone voice. You know, nobody else was questioning anything. And then, and then since she's been gone, it's just been a rubber stamp for the administration ever since. Yeah. So, you know, really that's not what we need, especially when we see that the school, school district's going the wrong direction. Sure. Uh, just, and for those that don't know, if you haven't been able to listen to every Saturday or so, I mean, the four that you guys uh, have been working with, you four is the team from district number one. Our first guest we've had on was, uh, Diane Albert, district mm-hmm. number one, taking on Ben Blankley. You representing district number two or fighting for district number two against the incumbent Julie Hendrick there. We just had on a week or so ago, Kathy Bond for district number five against Mia Turner and then, uh, Hazel Stabler from district number six mm-hmm. as uh, taking on Ron Rosell. So you four, uh, and, and to remind everybody as well, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, is that if you live within the school district at all, you don't just vote for the one district that you live in. You live vote for every district that's on the ballot, correct? That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So every one of every one of the voters, potentially, you could get a vote from 
uh, and all four of you could get a vote from each one of those voters. Absolutely, and that's yeah. all we need to do to win this to, to win this race. We Make need to have happen. everybody voting for all four of us. I like it. Now, talk about your background a little bit for those that may not know who you are, what you've done, your background, and what led you up to this point right now. Well, I started thinking about running for school board when I was in high school here in Wichita as a senior at Southeast High School. I was. Um, I was recruited to run for school board, and I wanted to bring some more choice into the school district at the time. And uh, so they had a big uh, article in the Eagle about me and everything like that. I, I got a, a new girlfriend from that and everything, which was <laughs> short-lived until I decided to pull out because one of the, uh, one of the uh, people at my uh, church who was a principal said, you know, Brent, why do you think you have the wisdom, what do you think you have the insight to be able to tell us what we need to do in our school system? Mm. And it, it seemed like I, I probably did need more um, wisdom, more, more time, more experience at the time. Sure. But now I've been running an educational services business for 20 years. I've raised two oh. kids. They're both in college. And uh, I help kids get higher test scores. I've had 15 National Merit Scholars in the last four years. Wow. And uh, I, you know, I think I really have a, a handle on what it means to do uh, to increase student achievement, what we need to do. And that's a big problem with the Wichita school system because over the past eight years, we've seen the number of students that are below grade level grow increasingly every year. The, the, the percentage of students that are below grade level has increased every year over the last eight years. And, and in 2019, the last year they did assessments before COVID, sure. 82% of USD 259 students were below grade level in math and 77% were below grade level in English. And that is wow. absolutely unacceptable. That, that means they're not ready for college. They're not ready for jobs. They have to do all this remedial education that they should have already had paid for and done. In fact, to be really competitive on a world scale, we need to have all of our students in level four. That's above grade level. Sure. And there are schools in America where they have a, a greater percentage of minority students and a, and a higher poverty rate where they are having all students in that grade level four. And those schools are open for our, to give counsel to our school. It's a matter of us having the will to go and get that uh, counsel and to implement that here in USD 259. And that's what we're going to do. I love it. So I want to talk about your program a little bit, what you do. So it's kind of an extracurricular outside of the school to help them along with the public school education stuff that they're doing already, right? Right. Well, we're, we're a private uh, educational services business. So okay. people come to us to get higher test scores. And so we have, wow. you know, it's, we're not trying to be the, uh, to be a, uh, a huge uh, franchise type thing. We have an office in Seattle. That's where my wife and I met and we started our business up there. Sure. And uh, so that, that office is still open and running. And we have uh, this office here in Wichita now. And uh, our office here has been growing every year. We've been producing higher test scores every year. We've gotten to where now we've uh, been able to help a student, uh, at least one student, achieve a 12-point gain on their ACT, which is like, it's a 1 to 36 scale. So that's like sure. 33% wow. of the total points available improvement. And, and uh, so, I mean, I think, you know, it's just a matter of, how, of, of learning how to teach and focusing on teaching. Yeah. How to teach. Well, I mean, that's kind of the perfect opportunity to jump on the school board and understand the curriculum. If you already know what to do to raise these levels, what's frustrating to us, and, and we can you know jump into this, is 
the curriculum and the money spent, we're not seeing it balance out and actually equate for the return on investment here. I mean, we see when I first started on the radio years back here in Wichita, we were sitting around nine, ten, eleven thousand dollars per head of student here, and it was you know the breaking news that it was the most that it's ever been. Now I heard this year it's like seventeen thousand dollars per student, and with the return on investment based on the grades and the GPA and the SATs and 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 ACTs and all the other tests. We're not seeing that return on investment right now. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. The the money is increasing that we're giving to our students, that we're putting into our system, and the results are decreasing. What needs to change within the public schools based on that curriculum? Is it, like you mentioned, how we teach? Is it what we teach? Is it the fact that we've gotten rid of certain classes in the curriculum? I mean, what do you think needs to be done internally that we can kind of refine and tune to actually make that better? Well, I think the whole system needs a little bit more looking at. So I, I'm not going to say that I'm ready to come in and implement a whole new curriculum or anything like that. That's sure. that. It's a complicated problem, but it needs new eyes looking at it. It needs uh, not just the same rubber stamp that we've been doing. So we, we need to bring new ideas, new thoughts into the system, and they need to be the best that we can find. And so uh, that's what we're planning on doing. And it'll take it'll take time, but we do have certain things that we want to do right away. We want to change the way the incentives are laid out. You can't just keep paying, you know, administrators more and more money, giving them a 16% raise yep. if they're not producing more results. That just, that just doesn't follow. It doesn't, wouldn't happen in any other line of business or any other field. And, and so why should that happen? And then the teachers are not getting that same level of increase. You're right. giving all the administrators these large increases in salaries. But the teachers aren't getting 16% increases in pay. That doesn't make any sense. No, they're getting 2 to 3%. And that's the argument on why they say they need more money is to be able to give the teachers raises. And then, as you mentioned, it all goes to the administrators. And then we throw the bone to the teachers to give them a little bit and say, well, we could still do more. Yeah, it's not right. We have a lot of great teachers in USD 259. And we just need to, to give them the right coaching, the right direction, the right, and just free them up to be able to teach the way they know that they can and the way they, they really can. And then we need to reward people for doing the best job they can. Yeah. Do you also like the idea of maybe a little more competition, allowing parents to go to other schools, go to magnet schools, go to the charter schools, you know, with the uh, what we looked at the legislative level this year, potentially of like school savings accounts, even go to private schools, creating that competition for the schools to want to incentivize to raise their quality, to maintain and keep the number of students. Because right now, obviously, they get paid from the federal government based on how many students are enrolled in their schools. And I'm hearing that the school, the, the teachers unions are out knocking on doors from over the thousand students that ended up not enrolling this year because they're losing massive amounts of money. Is that competition, do you think, going to help that situation? Yeah, I think competition will always help the situation do better. So that's that's definitely for sure. But we want to make Wichita an education destination. Yeah. If if we bring in the, the good thinking and uh, that we already know is out there, and, and if we have the will to change the way we're doing things, to, to get this, the uh, teachers focused on education, the principals focused on education and doing the things they need to do to get high achievement out of our students. And, and let me tell you, it's not, this is not a, a drudgery. When, you have, when you're a high achieving student, you understand better. You think better. Yeah. You, you, you're more excited about learning and you do more things. Uh, the, the, the schools that we know of that have this, these high achievement, they're, they're beating people all over the nation like their debate teams are, are defeating beating people nationally their chess teams are beating people nationally they're they're doing uh well in sports they're doing well in all kinds of areas because you know improving your mind and your skill and your ability to learn that just helps you that just helps you do better in everything you do 
Yeah, exactly. We're talking about Brent Davis, candidate for District Number 2 for USD 259 School Board. Let's talk about getting ready, as you mentioned, for higher education, whether it's going off to college, going into the workforce, going to trade schools. Uh, there's been a slow movement of working with, like, Wichita University's technical school and trying to do transition to some of the trades around the area, trying to find ways to maintain to retain students here in this area as well. Do you think the school curriculum needs to gear and focus more towards that as well instead of just saying, well, now you're ready for a four-year university where you can go and spend all this money or go into go into student loan debt or whatever. But, hey, if you want to actually go to a trade school, if you want to go right into the workforce, we need to prepare you for that stuff as well. Are we doing that okay, and do you think we could do better, and how could we make that better? We certainly could make that better. Uh, we, In fact, we have a lot of uh, uh, community elements, uh, people in the community that want to help us do more uh, trade uh, education. Right now, the USD 259 has a goal of about 2% of their students being uh, certified for some kind of uh, vocational technical work. And, and we just think that that's way too low. We, you know, we need to have 50 to 75% of students involved in some kind of vocational educational training in addition to their academic training. Mm-hmm. There are all kinds of things you need to do to prepare you for life. Right now, uh, employers in the area can't get uh, uh, workers with good hand skills, you know, with, with good uh, knowledge of tools. They don't, they don't know how to use tools. They don't, how, they don't have any skill that they've developed with their hands yeah. to, 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 to do work. And that's really hurting our community. So, you know, in fact, uh, I've heard, just heard story after story about people moving out of the community. You know, that like, even the, one of my opponents, um, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, Justin. Justin, yeah. Yeah, Bork. He, he's a realtor, and he separated from his wife, and his wife moved to Andover because she didn't want to per, put her kid in Wichita schools. And he <laughs> says, that's why I'm running, you know, to try to make Wichita schools better. Well, oh. I appreciate that. That's a great goal. I don't know that he really has the background to do that. But, uh, you know, uh, but that is exactly what we want to do. We, we want to keep that from happening. Story after story is people are moving away. But, you know, if, if our test scores go up and, and we are training people for not just academic careers, but also vocational careers, which will help them in, in many areas in their life. Sure. Another thing I want to do is I want to bring in uh, financial uh, training. So like something like the Dave Ramsey program for middle school and high school kids. Wait, financial literacy, what? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, our kids need to be prepared. In fact, we, we should be having classes in the schools in the evening for parents. You know, we want to stop generational poverty in Wichita. Yeah. We, you know, parents and children, they need to learn to start thinking about living under their means, uh, saving up money for their futures, planning to have a family, planning to provide for uh, a household to, to raise solid families. You know, we have... A, a, a pandemic in America right now of single parent families where we don't have fathers in the homes. And that is the, the biggest cause of, of uh, juvenile delinquency and poverty in America. So there, 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 there's a Brookings Institute uh, article that I read, and, and it talks about there are three things you can do to keep from getting into generational poverty. One is you got to graduate from high school. One is you got to get a good job mm-hmm. and before you get married and have kids. Sure. And don't have kids before you get married. Don't have kids with you. Don't have a job. Don't have kids when you're in high school. So that's we want to focus on on helping students to think it that way, to prepare for the future, to prepare for happy families, to be able to raise excellent uh, fi- uh, children. Yeah. And that's with, with two-parent families. 
Man, I love it. I mean, you're you're nailing on all of it. I mean, I know we tried to pass a financial literacy bill at the legislative level this year. Obviously, didn't go through. Unfortunately, the uh, statewide school board didn't like that idea because it was taking power away from them sort of thing. But if we could implement that at the local levels with some type of financial literacy, and as you mentioned, other things with using your hands, getting back to life skills, being able to know how to change a tire or use the woodworking or the metal work or the auto shop or the home mech or any of these things. It's not just about what grade you can get on math and science, which is important, but we need some of those skills as well because if someone does want to become an auto mechanic, you can make good money doing auto, being an Absolutely. auto mechanic nowadays. Let's get these kids in preparation to do that if they want to. Yeah, we're talking about giving people free college. Let's not talk about getting free, giving people free college. Let's talk about equipping them so they can work a job while they go to college and pay their way through college. Yeah. That's the that's the way to make sure that people don't have college debt. You give them a good skills so they can get excellent, high paying jobs that are productive that add something to the community. That you know, it's it. Communities don't get built by handouts. Communities get built by work and people producing things. And we want to make people producers. You want people to have better emotional health and well-being. Let them know that they have a purpose in life. Let them know that they have a plan for their future. Let them know that they have skills and that they can get good jobs even while they're in high school and right out of high school making uh, uh, working if they want to raise families right away. And, And then they're going to feel better about themselves. Then they're going to do better. I love it. Let's take a break here real quick. We're talking with Brent Davis, candidate for district number two, USD 259. When we come back, we'll wrap this conversation up, get the last few thoughts from him as we get ready to wrap up our number one of Candace Talk right here on The Big Talker. Lots more coming up. Stay here. Just a few minutes left to wrap it up. Hour number one of Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker, KQAM. Sitting here with Brent Davis, candidate number uh, district number two for USD 259. And we got just about two minutes or so left here before we have to wrap up. But talk about, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this right now, obviously with the COVID pandemic. And is, I, I, I mean, you hit it out of the ballpark. I love everything you've talked about with the curriculum, what we need to work on in these schools. It's what we've been screaming at the top of our lungs here on the show for years is trying to get prepared in those other ways. Um, but with the current environment right now, the mask mandates, no mask mandates, virtual learning, all this other stuff with COVID, where do you stand on all this stuff? Where could we and how do you think we start to transition ourselves out of this situation and get school maybe somewhat back to normal here soon? Well, it's a hard one, isn't it? I didn't want to have the dead air there. I'm sorry about that. It's it's a hard one. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, I think that we we need to re, uh, respect parents and their their beliefs and understandings about masks, uh, and I think the the school system should make it uh, possible for students to come without masks and not have to wear masks. The the mortality rate for children is so low, and uh, the the communication of of the disease between teachers and students is is low, yeah. and uh, it's 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 you know it's more likely that you're going to be hit by lightning than you're going to die if you're a child from this disease. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, and so, you know, we need to be concerned if parents want their kids to wear a mask, then they should be able to wear a mask. And if, and if parents don't, they, they need to uh, not have to make their kids wear a mask. So I think it should be voluntary. It should be voluntary. Start getting things back to normal and, you know, actually letting people make their own decisions on how they want to be healthy. 
Brent Davis, candidate for District Number 2, UST 259 School Board of Education, coming up in November for that election. Good luck on the campaign Thanks trail, so much. my friend. We'll try and get you back on again before the election. Appreciate it. Hey, good stuff. Appreciate it. Wrapping up hour number one, right around the corner, State Representative Stephen Owens from the Newton area. We'll chat with him about unemployment fraud from the Kansas Department of Labor. Oh, mon Dieu. What's going on there? We'll talk about that and more. Plus, we have some calls. Don't hang up. We'll get to you as soon as we come back as well, right here on Kansas Talk. Stay here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Good Saturday morning to you. It's hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Great to have you for the ride today on a Saturday Labor Day weekend. Hopefully some of you get to enjoy that a little bit. If you're going out and uh, camping, then <laughs> try not to get wet out there. <laughs> Although I, I will say it's supposed to be sunny and clear tomorrow and throughout Monday. So if you can power through today, you can power through it all, and that's a good thing. Welcome into the show. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we'd love to hear from you today. Lots to get to. Thanks again to Brent Davis coming on the show for the last half hour. Candidate for District Number 2 of USD 259 School Board. Great stuff there, and we appreciate his time. We'll get him back on the show again real soon. Uh, coming up, bottom of the hour, a little bit interesting discussion as we talk with James Thompson, former congressional candidate on the Democrat side, uh, an attorney, but he's been working to try and get some individuals out of Afghanistan and that have actually been allies in helping us. So I appreciate that. We'll have a little fun with him, chat with him on the latest that he's doing, and then maybe do a little bit of sparring. Because uh, I don't know if you remember, we used to do that about once a month or so. We'd have him come on the show and just do a Hannity and Combs style back and forth a little bit, which was somewhat entertaining. So uh, we'll see if we have time to do that today again or not. But right now, super excited, all presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. As you know, Phil's Coins is about one of the only places in town and the state and the Mid-America region that actually has silver on hand with such a high demand. So uh, if you want to get some, he's open right now until 2.30. Also online at philscoins.com. Proud sponsor here on Kansas Talk and the Big Talker KQAM. Let's shift gears a little bit and let's go to the statewide level, shall we? There was a big news story that ran earlier this week. And it's just quiz pop quiz for you. How much money do you think was actually wasted or taken from us or stolen based on fraud and fraudulent claims during the last year with COVID-19 from the Kansas Department of Labor. Can you guess? And we'll get that answer from our next guest here on the program. Super excited to have him back on the show. Always love chatting with him from up in the Newton area. It's State Representative Stephen Owen. Stephen, how are you, my friend? Doing good, bud. How are you doing Man, today, Andy? I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you again. I, I saw your news story a few days ago about this. This is crazy news. I mean, we had massive amounts of voter fraud. Voter fraud. Um, I mean, some people think that too. But uh, the fraud on the COVID nineteen unemployment claims in the state of Kansas. How much money have we actually lost in the state because of this? Yeah, you know, it's really crazy uh, because the the sad part about this is it all could have been prevented. Uh, but it came out uh, that seven hundred million dollars was fraudulently um, sent out through our unemployment system during COVID. 700 million. Uh, and wow. 
Man, you know, when, when we tried to raise the alarm on this last January, uh, KDOL kept saying, oh, no, it's not near that much. It's only two or three hundred million. Legislative Post Audit, uh, which, is an, which is an independent branch that audits for, for the legislature, uh, came back and said, no, nah, we think it's closer to six hundred million. Well, they were then tasked to go back and dig deeper. We want more specific numbers. We really want to know what's going on. So they have spent the last three or four months digging even deeper and found that that number was upwards of $700 million that Kansan shipped off to Nigeria, um, Nepal, or gosh knows where. Wow. $700 million. Now, how does that compare to some of the other states around the nation? Because that seems like a lot to us, but maybe it's pennies to other states. I don't know. I mean, how bad were we compared to other states? That is, that is absolutely not correct. As a matter of fact, um, when I had the opportunity to visit with the folks from uh, Channel 12, we looked up a website that, that uh, the department, the federal government had put up um, that showed Kansas as number seven. However, it showed Kansas as seventh worst in the amount of money, but number one was Michigan with $113 million. <laughs> so the federal government doesn't have our updated data showing us at $700 million, so it's very likely that Kansas is the number one largest fraud ever perpetrated uh, in the nation, um, uh, fraudulent unemployment. How the heck does that happen? Uh, being number one in the next closest one, being number one at that time, like you mentioned, with Michigan at $100 million, we're at $700 million. How in the world does that happen? Yeah, you know what? Here's how it happens. Politics. The federal government back in, in April of 2020 let us know very clearly that our unemployment system was broken, that we needed to upgrade it, that we needed to, to do some security patches. The Republican leadership um, throughout the pandemic, throughout uh, all of this time, uh, and this is clearly documented, continued to raise this issue with the executive branch, with the governor, and tell her, we have got to fix this, we've got to invest in this, we've got to do that. And her response is, we have more important things to worry about. Uh, and so literally this fraud was allowed to continue to be perpetrated on the citizens of Kansas for better than six months. Now, I'm going to caveat that by saying there's no doubt we have an old system, okay? There's no doubt that, that past administrations should have upgraded this long ago. But at the end of the day, the security patch that finally got installed in January could have been installed the June before and saved the states hundreds of millions of dollars. So it was prepared to be installed earlier. It just didn't because of the political games being played. Absolutely. It could have been. But because of the political games being played, remember, the Republican legislature was fighting for our individual rights and freedoms and challenging the governor with every one of her unconstitutional executive orders. And so she couldn't set that aside to, to listen as the Republican leadership was sharing with them this unemployment conundrum and the fix that needed to occur. She just didn't want to, just politics, politics at its finest. Good golly. Well, the blame, of course, was, and we heard all last year, was that the Repu it was the Republicans' fault, it was Brownback's fault, as you mentioned, I mean, with the old system that we needed to upgrade these things and we couldn't do anything because it was so down. Now, I get that we need to upgrade the system. At the same time, I don't think any state is supposed to be prepared to have, you know, 60%, 70% of their population on uh, unemployment because of a pandemic sort of thing. That's not supposed to happen, uh, even with something, I think, with COVID, looking back in the 2020 hindsight in that front. But she was blamed because it was so overrun that we should be prepared for something like that and that it was the evil Brownback and Republican legislature that never focused any attention on the, the social programs that we despise so much, wanting people to die in the streets, wanting people to be left without any type of assistance or safety net. Um, so it was the blame game. 
And while she says she doesn't like to play politics, it seems like that's exactly what was going on. Yeah, again, if you if all you do is listen to mainstream media, um, then you're going to hear her say she doesn't want to play politics. But the reality is she had been in office for, what, two years prior to this pandemic uh, or a year prior to this pandemic. There are things that could have and should have been addressed. And regardless of politics, when, when breaches like these are brought to your attention and it's within your power and your authority to fix them and you ultimately choose not to, then you can't blame that on somebody else. You can't blame that on past administrations. This was clearly 100% a failure of leadership in the present, present tense because the solution was brought in front of her and she chose not to act on it. Weird. Weird. This, it's, it you got to remember. Yeah. I was going to say, you've got to remember that, that the governor is in essence hired by the people, the majority, as the chief executive of the state, right? As the chief executive of the state, the governor is then responsible for each and every state agency. She appoints the heads of the, the secretaries of those agencies. She is ultimately the one that can force the change that needs to happen in those agencies. The legislature has, has little, if any, authority to force uh, action on an agency level. Really, the only thing we even control is budgets. Now, beyond that, the entire leadership, the management happens at the executive level. So, so to try to blame something that happened in the past, when you, there was a fix right in front of you under your term, under your leadership, again, it, it's absolutely poor leadership, in my opinion, to blame something that, on somebody else that you had the ability to fix. Well, it seems like it's the typical play from the Democrats, too, where you have the, the fall guy as well. I mean, we've gone through how many secretaries for the Department of Labor over the last year as well? Because, you know, one person wasn't able to deal with it. The other person wasn't able to fix it. Oh, you know, they were getting heat because it wasn't getting fixed fast, fast enough. So instead of blaming the administration that actually put these people in the motion and plan to actually make this happen, it was just, well, they weren't doing their job. We're going to get them out and get somebody else in. That's exactly right, right? You place the fall guy on the, the one before, and you hope the next one does better. <laughs> you know, another little tidbit came out of that post-audit, <clears throat> which was really fascinating that hasn't been touched on. Uh, not only is that fraud number huge and potentially, um, you know, again, the biggest fraud perpetrated on the state of Kansas in history, but what it showed was that even when the state of Kansas hired to the tune of tens of millions of dollars call centers, to answer our unemployment phone calls from our people, from our constituents, it showed little improvement in calls actually being answered, even though we spent tens of millions of dollars hiring hundreds and hundreds of people to answer phones. Figure that one out for me. That doesn't make any sense. It's funny we didn't see any news stories of like, wow, this helped tremendously, and we're actually seeing improvements from the KDUL. And being how left-wing the media is, you would think they would love running a story like that while their own administration and parties getting a lot of heat for the way things are being operated. I got to admit, I went into this interview not thinking this was going to be the way it was going. My mind's blown right now. I don't know how we could have made it more simple because it was simple. They just refused to implement it for the political games. Where do we go now, though? Are we back on track? Do we have the equipment actually in place and the technology upgraded to handle this? I mean, where are we now? The fact that we're almost at the tail end of this pandemic, though. Yeah, absolutely. You know, of course, we as legislators lived this daily. We would get tens and hundreds of emails sometimes from people that simply couldn't get their unemployment. I personally have seen that drop way off. And I believe that's a result of, well, look, unemployment's 3.7%, 3.8% in the state. People are getting back to work, right, so forth and so on. What's happening now is we passed legislation last session 
to ensure and to create an, uh, an unemployment modernization committee that uh, and set aside, I believe it was the tune of $40 million, <clears throat> excuse me, to to update that system and to ensure that these fixes are put in place. And Chairman Tarwater, who's chairman of commerce, is leading that modernization effort. And they are absolutely on par and doing really great work to ensure that the citizens of Kansas are never stuck in this predicament again. Yeah, we're talking with State Representative Stephen Owens from up in the Newton area. Let's talk about the reopening of the economy here real quick as well. I Nationally, we saw them take another big hit for the month of August where we had 235,000 jobs created as opposed to the expected 700,000. So we're still short you know, by half a million, not a big deal or anything. Here in Kansas, we're trying to get reopened up a little bit as well. But do you, have you seen any numbers lately? Are we still seeing a massive increase? The federal pandemic uh, benefits end this coming new week. Um, so do you think we're going to see a mad rush back into the workforce or are people just going to start applying for the regular statewide unemployment benefits? Oh, and I think we lost him. We'll have to get him back on here. Uh, State Representative Stephen Owens. This is mind-boggling here. So we had, just to kind of recap from what you've heard so far, we've had Governor Kelly have the ability to do the technological upgrades to the Kansas Department of Labor to handle all of the unemployment benefit calls that were coming in and all the applications coming in and the security measures and everything. It didn't happen based on the political attacks that we were having because of her uh, saying that it was all Republicans' fault, waited until January, and now we have the number one biggest fraud in the entire state in Kansas's history, possibly in the entire country from the last year with unemployment, with the second state being at near $100 million in fraud for the state of Michigan. We're sitting at over $700 million. Now, according to the news reports and the current secretary of the Department of Labor, whoever that is with the rotating door that has been over the last year, they say that that's not the full report yet. So we don't really know that's real or number. And we're just going to have to wait and see. And we're just going to have to wait for the full report to actually be released as they're finishing up their audit. So don't get all upset yet because we don't quite know that that's actually legitimately what they were actually saying. Again, trying to just pawn it off and say, like, don't, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Don't worry about a thing. But Candace, number one in the entire nation for unemployment fraud during the COVID pandemic. And it's all because of evil Brownback. All because of those evil Republicans that just tried to play politics and not upgrade the systems that needed to be. All right, we're going to take a break anyway. State, uh, thanks again to State Representative Stephen Owens. We'll try and get him on the show again in a little bit if we can to wrap up that conversation. If not, we have some calls on the line. Listener Scott, hang tight. We'll get to you as soon as we come back here in just a minute. Not a problem here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Four minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Thanks again to State Representative Stephen Owens coming on the program. Not sure what happened with the phone lines getting disconnected there, but uh, we're about ready to wrap up and take a break anyway. So I appreciate his time very, very much. We're going to get him back on the show again soon. Love chatting with him on the air between not just legislative issues or the KDOL, but also with his uh, uh, bond issues, as you know, being uh, owning a bail bonds company and talking about uh, bonds. A huge issue in the state of Kansas, nationwide as well. The Biden administration had talked about getting rid of private bondsmen across the nation because, you know, it just preys on the poor people that can't afford a bond to be able to get out of jail, which is obviously not true at all. So we'll talk about that and get some more info on him. I, uh, we did that once before on the show and talked about that for almost a full hour. I want to do that again soon because I think it's a huge issue that doesn't get a whole lot of attention, especially from conservative talk or talk radio in general, because it's such a weird, tedious legal discussion that it, you kind of gloss over after a while and try to comprehend and, <laughs> and understand it. But it's really important. 
And I think we need to understand it a little bit. So we'll get him back on the show and talk about some of that and elsewhere. But the $700 million in unemployment fraud coming out of the state of Kansas, number one in the entire nation. Aren't you proud? We hit number one, baby. We're number one. We're number one. All from unemployment claims being fraudulent here in the state. And while we spent millions of dollars on additional call centers to be able to take your phone calls, the media still said, well, you know, people still can't get through. And it really didn't help anything. So that's nice because once the fraudsters and the bots and everything else nationwide and worldwide realized that there was opportunity to try and call in or or jam up the lines or try and, you know, screw up the system, they did that. So it really didn't help anything because we didn't have a proper system in place because the governor who heads up those departments ended up not implementing the security protocols six months earlier like she could have done. But what do you do? 316-721-8255. we got some uh, calls on the line, so let's jump right to them here, shall we? Line at number one. Scott, what's going on, sir? How are we doing? Yeah, uh, uh, I know the New World Order is, is busy telling their lies and fables, and one of the biggest ones they told was talking about how well you need to stop eating meat, and they had a, a kid's program on it talking about animals, and they said, well, this otter, he eats 25 pounds of meat a day, and I'm thinking, well, if otters eat 25 pounds, what about lions, tigers, and bears, sharks, and oh my, whales? I mean, they eat all kind of meat compared to him. I mean, so if they can eat meat, why some people can't? Then second, you talked about fraud. Well, I mean, I don't know any bigger fraud than what they did in Afghanistan for 20 years. Where did all that money go? I mean, they they spent in the trillion, what were the trillions or billions of dollars? Uh, I mean, that for Afghanistan, like a little bit more fraud. Yeah, the number I've heard from Afghanistan was for the twenty-year war, we spent between one to two trillion dollars, which is a lot of money, and that is uh, a lot of wasteful spending, I think, for being out there that long. To put that into perspective, though, just uh, so we know, we're working on a one point two trillion dollar infrastructure package. That's a one-time bill that's going to pass and apparently upgrade all the uh, uh, infrastructure in the nation. So what we spent in twenty years. With a conflict that wasn't that was never considered an actual war, we're going to spend in a one lump sum uh, for socialist takeover. So Scott, I, I appreciate that. And uh, um, the eating meat—that's interesting. I've not heard of the kids' program saying that y- y- we shouldn't eat meat. Now, uh, for those of you that know, I did go vegan at the beginning of the month for like a spiritual cleanse sort of thing, and I stopped eating meat. Not that I'm not going to eat meat anymore, but it's not because of that. Let me—I can reassure you, it's not because of all the environmental scares of eating meat. Um, no, I did it because I wanted to eat a little bit cleaner and actually eat healthy and, you know, and it seems to be helping, but Hey, um, to each their own on that one. And I will eat meat. I just going to be going directly to farmers instead of the processed food in the grocery stores, all the preservatives and salt and garbage in there that, uh, you know, actually makes it last longer and makes it unhealthy and gets rid of the nutritional value. But I have not, I've not heard of the kids, uh, programs telling them not to eat meat. That's interesting. I may have to look into that one, so I appreciate that, Scott. Let's go back to it. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Andy. It's Sean. Sean, what's happening? Sir, you got about a minute and a half. Go for it. It was me, man. I did it. It was you. You did. You had all. The, you had the seven hundred million dollars in fraud. I I took the money. Yes, mm. I did. Yes, sir. Man, well, and, and why can't I fly back. on your private jet with you now? When that interest, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, you can be my. Uh, you can be my lieutenant. There we go. When that infrastructure bill passes, I'm taking that money. And when they pass that $3.4 trillion uh, bill, I'm going to take that money, too, because I need that money I'm, I'm fi- to finance my army. 
remember the uh, uh, People's Democratic Revolutionary Liberation Front Army? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need that. I, I, I need that money to fund my army and get nuclear weapons because I'm gonna I'm gonna overthrow the planet, man. I'm, I'm taking it over and putting a stop to all this madness. I just thought it was going to be able to afford all the taxes Biden wanted to implement. That way, you could at least you know live comfortably with all the taxes that he wants to implement. He was going to take it all anyways. So I mean, you can get all that money. That's nice, but I'm telling you. They're just going to tax you, so that way you can just get a nice little $200,000 ranch home and be good. Well, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, the, ta- the taxes are coming. I hate to cut you off there, Sean. we got to take a hard break here at the bottom of the hour, but I appreciate that. And happy Labor Day to you, my friend, and uh, enjoy the weekend. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit. James Thompson will be joining us. We'll talk about what he's doing to try and help some individuals get out of Afghanistan after that botched operation from the Biden administration. Where do we go from here, and can we help those individuals get out of there safely and soundly away from the Taliban, according to Joe Biden? Lots more coming up. Stay here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Last half hour home stretch here on Kansas Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Joe Pags live with the weekend right around the corner at 11 o'clock. Also, if you missed it yesterday, the last couple of days really kicked off the week number one of high school football. We had the statewide scoreboard show last night and going into Labor Day weekend. So, boom, it's fall time officially, I think, with the cooler weather, the storms that obviously hit the last couple of days. Uh, I think shows that we're on the stretch for the cooler weather and for the fall season. I think a lot of people are really enjoying about that as well. Just a little programming note for you as well. Obviously, with Labor Day, we have some best of programming running on Monday coming up. I'll be on vacation Thursday, Friday, Saturday next week as the ninth anniversary for Mrs. Voice of Reason and I. So we'll be out of town and enjoying that a little bit. The week after that, you can enjoy at the noon hour. Monday through Friday here. We will be airing from the Kansas State Fair. Rick Everett will be up there doing Kansas or uh, State Fair Talk or uh, State Fair Radio is what we call it here on KQAM. So he'll be talking to some of the vendors and stuff going on up at the Kansas State Fair. Stay tuned in for that one. And I think, actually, we have some tickets for the Monster Trucks still as the Mid-American Network is the sponsor for the Monster Trucks that are coming up on September 12th. So uh, I may try and give some away if I can track some down here over the last half hour of the program today as well. If not, then make sure to go up and enjoy it anyways with a lot of things going on with high school football, Kansas State Fair, things happening all over the place right here on the KQAM Airwaves. All right, last half hour, I want to shift gears a little bit, and we've talked with State Representative Stephen Owens. We appreciate him coming on. We've talked with Brent uh, Brent Davis, candidate for USD 259 District Number 2 School Board. And now, obviously, the big issue that we've seen over the last week or so has been the issues in Afghanistan, the botched operation that's gone over there, the unfortunate 13 military servicemen that have died over there, the the 100-plus individuals, uh, residents of Afghanistan that have died, people that are still over there that are trying to get out, not just U.S. citizens, but also individuals as well that live over there that have helped us for, oh, I don't know, 20 years plus uh, with translators and with giving us resources, and now they're being per- persecuted, as Biden says. The Taliban is the one uh, that have that were going to work nicely with us. It ends up going over and, and persecuting people 
you know, going back to the Sharia law, unfortunately, and seeing the devastation that's on uh, within hours of us announcing starting to pull out. So it was a bad situation all around. But luckily, there are things that we can do. And you've heard of some private individuals all over the nation sending private jets. The military's done some special operations on their own without sanction from the Department of Defense to try and go and save some other individuals. And you could see the horrific horrific pictures and video of people trying to cling on to the wings of airplanes as they take off and then falling from the sky it, it it's too close to 9-11 i don't even want to think about it like remembering some of those images just it, it breaks my heart and just tears me up so i don't want to think about that right now but there's people that are obviously being tortured or being tormented or being chased or being killed because of their aid to the united states over the last 20 years what can we do about it it's terrible. So uh, one guy on the phone here, super excited to chat with him about this as he's been working on this here on the local front. So uh, I wanted to get some info from him on what has been going on and what the latest is with all this. Uh, former congressional candidate, attorney here in the Wichita area uh, from the Democrat side. And you may remember back in the day, we used to have him come on about once a month or so and kind of do like a Hannity and Combs clashing of the Titans kind of thing and have some fun debating some issues. So happy to have him back on the program, Mr. James Thompson. James, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Andy. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. It's been a little bit since we since we've had you on. And first off, I want to thank you for for working on some of this. Uh, as I've seen over the last week, that you've been working to try and get some individuals out of Afghanistan. From what it sounds like, you've been able to get at least one or two families out, haven't you? We have been able to get one family out, and we have 19 families that we're still working on. Um, it's been kind of a surreal experience, but uh, we were able to get the very first family that we started with out. Uh, that family is actually now in Germany, and um, we're now working on getting their visas finalized so that they can actually come to the United States. And, and this is an individual and his family who um, helped our troops, actually Kansas troops, when they were you know, over there. And this individual started working with our troops when he was 10 years old wow. as a translator, and he's now... Um, uh, 21 years old. He's got a family, uh, a two-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son, and, and an 18-year-old brother, and then his wife. And we were able to get them out. So we're still still working, though, to get the other 19 families out. What an amazing story. I'd love to hear his story full on from, you know, how he got involved with working with U.S. troops and being able to survive and do that for all those years from the age of 10 to now 21. I mean, that's a that's an inspirational story, I think, on its own, isn't it? Well, that's been one of the really interesting things uh, to talk to some of these families. There's an individual that's helping us that I, I think is going to have a good book deal waiting for him um, if he can, um, if we can get all of this accomplished because of what he has done to help the American troops, what he's doing now to help us help these families. Um, it should be pretty inspirational, I think, to hear his story than this gentleman that's in Germany. And I apologize for not sharing names right now, but yeah, um, no, we don't want to do that. We're we're trying to make sure that we maintain operational security with this, so that we can not put anyone else in danger. Because all of these people are either related or know each other, and so we want to make sure that we protect them as much as possible. No, I completely agree, and yeah, we don't want to use any names there. But talk about just from from what you've heard from these individuals and just the. Uh, ground reports coming out of there. I mean, what is the environment like there right now with them? I mean, fleeing and and with the Taliban, with ISIS and ISIS K. Apparently, the Delta variant of ISIS coming out now. I mean, what is the what is the environment like right now that we've officially pulled out and the terrorists have taken back over? Well, it's it's very scary for them. Um, the you know the families are in hiding. They've been in hiding. 
um, you know, the family that we got out before they got out, we're moving four and five times a day and, um, have already lost 10 family members. Um, the, there was one family member that they went to stay with. Um, somebody tipped them off that the Taliban was coming. The family left. And shortly after they left, the Taliban showed up, executed this person's cousin and took that cousin's son. And we believe that son is now dead as well. Oh my gosh. How sad. So, um, you mentioned, a few others. You said that the other ones that you are working on trying to get out are also the same family or at least people that know each other there. Where are they now? Are they still just kind of in hiding there, too? They're still in hiding inside of Afghanistan. I can't tell you where they are, but we're trying to work to maintain them while they're there. I mean, they're running out of money right now um, you know, just for food, you know, expenses, etc. So right. we're trying to raise money so that we can get that to them through Western Union of all things. Um, but <laughs> make sure that we try to keep them as safe as possible until we can hopefully get these flights resumed. You know, everything after the Americans left, of course, everything shut down. And so now we're trying to get that um, open back up. You know, it, it, it's encouraging to hear some of the reports that are out there that um, the Taliban is, is working with other countries to maybe bring in uh, um air traffic controllers, et cetera. But I don't trust the Taliban any farther than I can throw them, obviously. And so we have to kind of measure what we hear versus, you know, what we're actually hearing on the ground there. And so it's, it's, it's a little nerve wracking, but we're hoping to start these flights up soon. And we're working with a lot of different other groups. Um, You know, everybody that's in my group is, is military or former military and, uh, some just pretty amazing individuals. You know, we've, uh, we're all across the political spectrum, um, you know, Republicans, the Democrat, and we've just set aside, set aside politics. We don't talk about that. We just concentrate right. on the mission at hand, which is trying to save these people. Well, yeah, right now it's not about political partisanship. It's about just trying to help humanity and try and get some of these individuals out. So I, I applaud you guys for doing that very much so from from all different spectrums. My question is, and if you can't divulge too much of this, then that's all right. Just let me know. But how are you communicating with these individuals? Is it phone calls? Is it emails? Is it is it talking to them? And then I got to I got to admit, I mean, Western Union sending money that way is got to be tough because I'm sure going to a terrorist ridden nation like that, where I'm sure a lot of potential fraud happens, that I'm sure that a lot of that money even gets blocked or stopped from being uh, picked up over there, doesn't it? Well, there's a very limited amount of money that can be sent over there per day and so the uh, the the cost of living i shouldn't say the cost of living the cost of surviving yeah uh, for them isn't extremely expensive and so far we're able to cover that with the donations that we've had coming in but uh, as far as communicating you know yes to all of the things that you said i mean we kind of you know however we can do it through you know whether it's social media phone calls uh, emails whatever way we can kind of get that accomplished we try so Mm. how crazy how big are the operations do you know nationwide have you heard from other groups other organizations doing this too i mean i know as we mentioned i mean there's a lot of big names trying to do this i mean glenn beck was in the news for sending a private jet out there to try and collect as many people as they possibly could military was trying to send stuff to to go in there uh human uh, i mean human rights organizations sending stuff i mean how big is this operation trying to help because obviously the way things went either weren't intended that way or completely fell apart. I don't know what happened with this operation, but um, 
I don't understand how you pull out the line of defense being the military before you pull out all the civilians and innocent people first, and that kind of got reversed, and now we're in this situation. Well, I'll, I'll be interested to see uh, an after off review, uh, so to speak, when you know this is said and done. I I, I try not to worry about that right now because it doesn't help us get any farther with getting these people out right now as far as you know what could have been or should have been or things should have been done a certain way sure um as far as the the operation you know overall i mean there are lots and lots of different groups that are um, trying to do things over there like you said glenn beck is doing something you know, glenn beck's um flight my understanding of it was limited to um christians so I, okay. I, I don't know that, you know, that, that's not the people that we're dealing with, um, with the groups that I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah, you know, they're um, Muslim families that are over there that help American troops. Now, the good thing for us is everybody that we're helping, in, in the with my group anyway, is known um, to the military members that I'm working with. They actually served with these people over there. They worked with them on a day-to-day basis. So yeah. they know these people and they know yeah they know them personally yeah they're ones that actually have been allies it's not just random people we're trying to just get out it's it's ones we've worked with we know and they've you know we're not going to be like hey thanks for the help for the last 10 15 years now you just go survive on your own and try and not die (laughs) right yeah well some of the criticisms that you know we've received or that i've received i've been the public face of this um is oh you're trying to help terrorists get out of the country well no no that's not what we're trying to do we're trying to help people who saved our troops and helped our troops Right. And but we communicate with other groups as much as we can. Everybody's on, you know, in each of these groups are very uh, security conscious. So everybody's kind of afraid to share information. You know, I mean, when you do have to share information, you're taking chances. And it's, it's, it's kind of scary because you don't want something to get published and somebody die as a result of something that you said. Exactly. So we, we're having to be very, very careful about that. But we are trying to work with other groups, look for, you know, somebody that's got a plane on the ground, you know, do you have extra space? Right. You know, something like that. So good. I'm so glad you guys are doing this. Thank you for doing that. And everybody in this group, whoever it may be, that's helping out with this operation to try and get these guys out there. It's all hands on deck with this. Cause this is a human rights issue to where people are just being beheaded and killed just for being associated with us in some way, shape or form uh, anytime over the last 20 years. If people want to help out, send money to try and financially support that or whatever they can do, how can they, how can they reach out? What could some, somebody do? We have a fundraising platform set up on Go Get Funding. Welcome to America is the name of it. So okay. Go Get Funding, Welcome to America. Welcome and to America. You can, you can see pictures of the two-year-old and three-year-old that um, you know, we were able to get out. Uh, we don't have the pictures of the adults because, again, we don't want to jeopardize other family members. But um, you can kind of learn a little bit more about it there and hopefully make a donation to help us get this uh, the word out and get these people here. Any money that's left over after we get them here will be used to help get them clothing, you know, toys for the kids, and kind of get set up here in the United States. Very good. James Thompson, uh, Attorney James Thompson here in the Wichita area. We appreciate the time, my friend. Keep up that fight. And uh, I know that you and I love sparring and going back and forth on the political front, but uh, it's time to, like you said, it's time to work together and band with everybody to try and actually help save people's lives. So we appreciate that. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate the time. and. You take care, and hopefully I'll see you soon. Hey, we'll talk again here real soon. That's James Thompson again. We appreciate that very, very much. All right, we'll take a break. We'll open up lines to you for the last few minutes of the program here for a Saturday as we wrap up Candace Talk on a Labor Day weekend right here on KQAM. Stay here.
just a few minutes before the top of the hour, wrapping up the show today on a Kansas Talk Labor Day weekend special here on the show. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks to James Thompson coming on the show. Uh, he's right. I mean, don't want to politicize it too much. I mean, obviously, we know we know whose fault it was. We know how that was botched. We know what happened with the Biden administration, but uh, we can play the politics later. It's trying to get people out of there. So uh, the fact that it's a group, whoever it is, all joining together on all political sides, just trying to help humanity and trying to get people out of Afghanistan and people that have actually helped Kansas soldiers, allowed them to get resources and the intel that they need to survive and come back home to their families. You know what? I'm all about them trying to get out of that place because obviously they believe in our cause of freedom and I don't, I don't care what religion they believe in whether it's muslim christian whatever if you're actually believing freedom and individual liberty then all the power to you brother and let's work together to make it happen so i appreciate that and hopefully we can get some more people out it is a terrible situation it's pathetic with our leadership that we have that has disrespected american lives by looking at the watch as they see the bodies being taken off an airplane by not listening to uh, family members that are crying and blaming the 13 military servicemen and women that uh, their lives could have been saved if we actually did things properly, but we didn't. And while Donald Trump may have tried to make a peace treaty with the Taliban in order to not have any more lives lost, then we all of a sudden became allies and friends with Biden, giving them our list of all the people that actually have worked with us over the last few years. Yeah, that doesn't work out too well for us. That's really dumb. We know whose the fault is. We don't have to play that game. What we do need to do is actually work on the humanity efforts here and realize that uh, now terrorists run a nation and they have a stronger military or at least military resources that actually are bigger than the country of Australia, which Australia has been weird because they've been in the news lately, haven't they, with the COVID man ridiculous COVID lockdown mandates that they've been having. And then, of course, with now... Uh, having a smaller military than Afghanistan run by the terrorists of the Taliban and the Delta variant flavor of ISIS-K. Where ISIS-K came from, I don't know. I thought we were just fighting ISIS, but apparently not. Apparently it's the Delta variant version of them <laughs> as they're working in the government together. So thoughts and prayers to everybody out there. And everybody does have their flavor of who they're trying to save, whether it's personal friends, whether it's U.S. citizens, whether it's the Christians that are being persecuted. I mean, you've seen the news stories that women were beheaded by actually having a Bible app on their smartphone. Yeah, now that we're going back to Sharia law and that, uh, you know, they can't be out there without a male and they have to have their entire bodies covered. It's gone back to the dark zone there, the dark era. And uh, it's unfortunate because what did we just spend trillions of dollars on over the last 20 years to fight with the red tape and the BS, which is why I, I applaud Senator Jerry Moran for him saying that now it's time from here on out for any other military operations we do with any type of uh, operation that we do with our military. We need to have a declaration of war from Congress. Do you realize the last time that that happened? World War II. Last time we actually had a declaration of war from Congress and signed by the president for a declaration of war. The other ones were conflicts and they were just operations. And, you know, how many years we spent in Vietnam? How many spent how many years we spent in Korea? How many years we spent in the war on terror and the war on Iraq and the war in Afghanistan and all this other garbage that we've done where the reason they don't do that is because they have more leeway. They can put restraints and red tape on the military. You know, you got to fill out a 20 page report every time you fire off a single bullet. You're not allowed to actually kill anybody. You got to do this, got to do that. This is war. And if we don't have the ability to actually be the soldiers that we need to be, then what's the point of even doing it? Either go all out and make it happen or don't do it at all. But that's the way the Democrats and the progressives and the elites in Washington, D.C. have been able to utilize the uh, uh, the military conflicts 
for their own personal gain for different contractors or whatever else they try to do, and then put the red tape on the military to drag it out. It's sad, and it's pathetic, and it needs to change. So I applaud Senator Moran. It's not going to happen right now uh, with the Democrats in control. Of course they're not going to want to be able to declare war because we have operations going on all over the place, but it's time for things to change. And as at, I think personally after the Trump administration, after we begin to wake up a little bit, then we can actually realize what's really happening at the federal level and start making those changes and start screaming at the top of our lungs to make sure they're aware that we know that they're doing things wrong and that they know that we know that they're doing things wrong. So we're going to be on top of that stuff. That does it for us today. Time's already all over. Appreciate you hanging out with us today. Podcast for the show up in a little bit. We're back at it on Tuesday for The Voice Reason for the national broadcast. Weekdays here at 4 p.m. on KQAM and other radio stations everywhere else as well. Uh, Until then, also, we'll be off next Saturday, so enjoy the best of. And our 9-11 memorial uh, ceremony that we'll have here on the show as we always do that. Back at it live in two weeks from now as we continue to talk about the latest and greatest out of the city of Wichita, Cedric County, the state of Kansas, all over. Governor Kelly, the craziness. I have numbers from the hospitals in the area on the latest COVID-19 numbers. How many beds in hospitals we're actually using for COVID and is it really the thing overwhelming our hospitals in the area? We'll do that in a couple of weeks. Stay tuned in for that one. Until then, I'm Andy Hoosier. Happy Labor Day to you. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you back on the radio Tuesday.